Pinkerton frowned, and Sharpless added, I explained earlier. Oh, sure, right. Uh, it's a marriage. A note of impatience. I didn't think we needed an actual ceremony. Unspoken. To hire a hooker. In her eyes, she will be your wife, Lieutenant. To Pinkerton's growing irritation, Sharpless went over the situation again. There would be formalities. The girl was not a prostitute. She expects a ceremony. Pinkerton was short of time, already due back on board for a duty watch. He reached into his back pocket and brought out a flask of bourbon. On a low side table were two tiny porcelain cups, and unscrewing the bottle, he poured a measure into each. He handed one cup to Chocho and raised his own encouragingly in a toast. She waited, the cup held lightly in her fingertips, eyes flicking from one man to the other, seeking guidance. Pinkerton's cheerfully expectant mood had sagged. He raised his porcelain cup again, attempting to revive the festive spirit. Bottoms up! She watched as he drained the cup. I now pronounce us man and wife. Pinkerton nodded at Sharpless. Can you tell her we just had the ceremony? Tell her it's the American way? He liked the phrase. He felt justified. You could say it was the American way under present circumstances. Sharpless kept repeating she wasn't a hooker. But what other kind of girl would sign up to a marriage with a visiting sailor? She must know the ropes. If it was a case of keeping up appearances, he was prepared to go along with the game, though it wasn't cheap. The license cost $4, the lease of the house $30, and there would be running expenses, food, and so on. He had noticed a dumpy servant girl hovering outside the door. She'd probably need to be paid. Still, the place looked clean, and he could end up spending three or four weeks here. It was definitely preferable to a dubious madam establishment in some back street in town. You will need to put your signature to the marriage contract, Sharpless said, to observe the correct procedure. Pinkerton found his fellow countryman a bore. A real pen pusher. Right, just fix it. He felt the consul's eyes on him cold yet fierce, the look a senior officer might hand out. Pinkerton found himself straightening up to attention. He adjusted his tone. Sir, thanks for your help. To his dismay, the girl was now kneeling, her forehead touching the woven mat that covered the floor. What was he supposed to do here? Uncertain, he reached out and took her hands, raised her to her feet, for the first time, they were close, touching, her face lifted to his. He was aware of the texture of her skin, smooth, not rosy like the girls back home, but pale, a sort of ivory with a sheen like a peeled almond. And her eyes were almond-shaped, as he had heard them described, but shining with the glow of an uncut gem. She was smiling up at him. Even though she stood very straight, the top of her head was way below his shoulder. For a moment he was caught up, sensed an odd churning in his chest, and held on to her hands, the smooth fingertips cool against his palms. Did she guide his hand? He was momentarily confused, and to his surprise found himself raising her fingers briefly to his lips. He was relieved to see that Sharpless, glancing out of the window, 
had missed the embarrassing moment. Tell her I'll be back with my stuff. Pinkerton glanced around the bare room. No closets, no chests that he could see. What did these people do with their belongings? The houses were flimsy affairs made of wood and what looked like paper screens. And as for home comfort, forget it. Sharpless had told him the word for goodbye, sayonara. He pronounced it awkwardly in his flat American drawl, then more awkwardness as he put on his shoes and slid open the flimsy door too forcefully so that wood banged against wood. The girl watched him go as he swung off down the hill back to the ship, saw his slouching ease, the way his body moved.